I uh, started a dangerous project this winter. Repainted the dining room. You know, it's dangerous. Because once you start in any corner of the house, what does that mean? You gotta do the rest of it. You know, you just start one and, ah, oh, that looks really good. And then you look into the hallway next to it. Oh, that white's really dingy. We need to... And then you go there. Well, then the floors and you know, the next room over. And it just, it never stops. You'd even think it would stop at the stairwells. But no, because, you know, they connect. And then it has to go upstairs. So... It's a very dangerous process, which, which could be good or bad, depending on your perspective. It means we're going to be in this house for a long time. The, uh, thanks. thanks, Mom. The, only people, the main people that were booing were the realtors. As I look at... This passage in Luke 19, of this familiar story, of this, this, this great story of, of Palm Sunday, that's, believe it or not, the picture that came to my mind. But because it's a real journey here of, of, of laughing and crying as, as Jesus enters into the very heart of the world, of God's people entering into Jerusalem. And there's great praise, there's great celebration, but but he's he's entering in, and then as he enters in, then also there's great sadness. And then he enters into the very heart of the temple, and then he starts knocking over some tables. Once you start, we'd like to just stay at the parade, but once we start... Jesus doesn't stop. He will continue on into the very temple of our souls. The very temple of our communities. That's what the Palm Sunday story, the events of Palm Sunday speak to me. Uh, today, from laughing to crying. We've, we've looked at uh, part of the passage already. We've, we've caught the flow of the day and, and already experienced the, the extremes of the laughing, of the joy and, and the celebration that we, that we experienced, that we saw, that was acted out for us. And, and it was right. It was good. I mean, that is eternal. That is what we were created to do, to praise the King of Kings. It's not only what we were created to do, but it's even what the inanimate objects of creation were created to do. And if we who have vocal cords don't join in, not just with our voice, but with our very heart, then Jesus was clear to those gathered there. If you don't do it, the rocks are going to cry out because it's the very thing that you were created to do. A, uh, a really smart Christian a long, long time ago Named Blaise Pascal. Some of you, if you're in like uh, high school geometry, you've heard of Pascal or algebra. You know, he not only 
Deacon uh, was good in math, but he was good in Jesus. And this was his, his quote. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. And it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God, made known through Jesus Christ. There is a God-shaped vacuum, or in uh, maybe, uh, you know, for most of us, uh, we think of vacuum cleaner. And that's not a bad thought, uh, but think of a black hole. There's a God-shaped black hole inside each one of us. And, and the only way it can be filled is, is when God fills it. And, and we know that. It's, it's forever moving within us. It's forever sucking in the things around us. And every human being is created with that God-shaped vacuum. Every one of us wants and needs to, to praise God. That's the very reason we were all created. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, don't tell these people to be quiet. It's what they were created to do. Went on a cruise during spring break last week. And uh, on that cruise, and, and we had eight different kids that went with us. And uh, no, it wasn't penance. It actually was fun. <laughs> actually, the most enjoyable thing was just being with everyone you know, at, at meal and, and nobody had to get up and do anything. Everything was done for you. That's a lot of fun. But the, the conversations that we had around the table and yeah, I guess, you know, it's nice to go on a cruise, but it may be questionable to go on a cruise with your pastor. Of course, if your pastor is your father, you don't have any choice. And don't get the wrong idea. I didn't do this a lot, but every once in a while, I just throw a question. To them. And, and one question that really was a dud for them, it was good for me, was uh, as you walk around this cruise, just look. Try to look through God's eyes. Now, telling a teenager on a cruise to look through God's eyes, you know, is sort of like telling them to walk around on their hands. But look around. There's good things, and then there's not so good things. And one of the things that I was trying to get the, them to, to notice was just the way that people try to manufacture fun. The, the way that they try to go out and have a good time and that usually that just it fails eventually. For a lot of the people on the cruise, it failed the following morning. But you could see them as through the thrill of gambling. They were trying to fill that God-shaped vacuum. Through, through the alcohol, through, the, through the, just the, the humor, through the fun, through all the act, ceaseless activity, they were trying to, to fill that, that hole, that, 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 that black hole within them. And we all do that. And, and it can be things that are healthy or unhealthy. It can be with good things even that we try to fill that God-shaped vacuum, but it can only be met with Him. So that, that, that's why the beginning of this day, the parade is, is just right and perfect because it's exactly what we were created to do and what every human being was created to do. That's why it's good. It, there is just simply a sense of satisfaction of being good when, uh, as, as Brian said, when everybody, when the, the youngest to the oldest were 
that were here this morning, were in here and we were singing God's praise. And why I rejoice with us as a, as a congregation is as we seek to provide different opportunities, even within the two distinct worship services, having different people regularly up front leading in worship so that we can provide as, as broad an opportunity as possible for us to, to sing of God's praises, for us to do part of what we were created to do. And to do it joyfully and even loudly. That's what Jesus, that's what we're told by Luke, that they were gathered joyfully and with a loud voice, singing. Their hearts were open to God. It wasn't just words on a song because it was beautiful music, it was words of a song because it was giving voice to the very cry of their soul. That's why it's good that we gather to praise. Why it's good in our daily lives that we look for ways to see the glory of God that that shines all around us. Because it's what we're created to do. So let go in praise. Not only on Sunday morning, but every day. Open your heart. Let, Let it out. However that looks for you. And sing with an unabashed abandon. Give praise joyfully unto God. And then as we went through, the, go through the next stage as, as Tony led us, Jesus then leads us to the cusp of the city and He looks over the city and there Jesus weeps. He weeps because even though in our praise and adoration at times we get it, other times we simply miss it. And this is really crucial, really important to to admit that, yeah, we're on this same journey. And just as we get it at times, other times we miss it. One of the times on the cruise, one of the questions that we'd ask from the table, and don't get the wrong idea, like I said, I only did this like two or three times. Uh, this wasn't Bible study with the pastor, but just every once in a while, one of the questions is we ask, just what are... Let's go around the table. What are the weaknesses and strengths that we have? Just each one give one word of your weakness and strength for one another. And then great conversation of encouraging one another. And... Actually, it was mostly. But yeah, the, the, the weakness that came to my mind in that time was just... I do not like admitting I'm wrong. I'm not sure what to take of that response. Yeah, about time you got it. Is that what y'all are saying? Or, but I don't like admitting that I'm I'm wrong. To which some people around the table said, "Wow, that's really good of you to admit that." But this part of the journey is part of the Palm Sunday journey and it it, it took me a long time to to realize that yeah the best thing I can do is be honest to myself and stop trying to fool myself 
You know, part of the, the, the filling my, my, our, our, the God-shaped hole with all the stuff is that it distracts us from the truth and distracts us from admitting that, yeah, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, and I need you, Jesus, and will you lead me in the way that is right? And until we get to that point, it's not going to happen. Until we simply just admit, I am broken. Just like every other human being is broken. I am in this parade. I am in this story of Palm Sunday just like everybody else. Until we admit that, we're not in the parade. But but, but one of the key things here, though, is that Jesus' reaction. He, He didn't get angry, which is what I perceived Jesus would do when I admitted I was wrong. That was the biggest freedom for me in this, in this parade that we're on. Maybe you're the same. And maybe it's because that's how we treat one another. That's certainly, you know, when, when my children disobey me, I, I don't really weep. I usually get angry. That's usually what happens. And, and we... then transfer that same response to God, thinking that when we miss his, the opportunities that He gives us, His visitations among us. I mean, that's what it was. These were the religious people of the day, and God was in their very midst, right in front of them. And they missed Him. They didn't just miss Him like, oh, what did that sign say? They opposed Him. God didn't rain down wrath from on high. He wept that his people missed him. For me, that is freeing to know that I can come before God open and honest. I'm broken. I missed you. I missed that opportunity. Yeah, I was driving. I was in a hurry and there was a person on the side of the road. I should have stopped. You would have stopped. I didn't. I'm just like all those other Pharisees. And Jesus weeps that I'm so wrapped up in my own stuff that I miss Him. He weeps, which then frees me to be honest and open and turn around or get the next person. Consider in your own life, yes, it's right to praise Him and it's right to confess, to be open and honest and recognize that Jesus weeps over us when we do. To not try to divert ourselves to all the other things or try to justify ourselves, but just be open honest now the the rest of the passage that we haven't read yet and uh, will you bring to the that part uh, 45 verse 45 Debbie it's found on 855 in your pew Bible if you want to follow there or just from 45 to uh, 48 in Luke chapter 19. Starting with verse uh, 45. There we go. Then he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling things there. And he said, It is written, 
My house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were spellbound by what they heard. Joy, sadness, laughing, crying, now, anger, a resolve, a commitment on the part of Jesus. He, he, he walks into the temple and he, he, he drives out all the people that are selling things there. Other gospel writers tell us he turns the tables over. He, he drives it out because what was, was going on in that day, you know, there were sacrifices that, that were part of the religious tradition, part of the biblical tradition that needed to happen. And they were, they were good. But what had happened is that you had to have the right money in order to buy the doves or the, the animals that you had to sacrifice. So there were money changers that were there that would give you the, the right money. And then there were people that were selling things there. And it, it was nothing wrong with changing money or selling things in the temple. It's not about you can't sell things in the church building. That's not what this is about. This is about how all those things were, became empty. And the very purpose of God's people on earth was not only being avoided, but it was being opposed. The, the purpose of the church in Jesus' day, the purpose of the temple, of the synagogue, was to draw people to God, was to bring them into the parade so that that God-shaped vacuum would be filled with God. That's the purpose of God's gathered people. That's the purpose of the church today. That was the purpose then. And, And Jesus came in and started driving them out was because they were getting in the way of the very purpose of God. Two weeks ago, went to uh, we had an evan- presbytery. Presbytery, two presbyteries, Presbyterian church had an evangelism workshop up in Lebanon, and a, a number of us went and participated in one of the in leading one of the workshops about the walls that the church can build up to those outside the church. If you're one of the uh, 88 people who have um, received one of the God Space books from Doug Pollock, which means you're going to read it by the end of April. And I won't weep if you don't. Um, you might get angry. But I'm not Jesus, so there. <laughs> the, uh, but the, if you're reading that book, you're, you're, you're interacting with a lot of conversations about from, from people who are not in the church who see the church as even a scary place. It makes the, the, the point about how we might look at certain places as scary, whether it's a, a biker bar or something like that. And the way we look at that is the same way that a good number of people who are not church look at the church. 
Matter of fact, I just, earlier this morning as I was eating breakfast, I usually pull up CNN.com and just see what's going on. There's actually a little video on there of a professor saying, you know, we, he's sort of restarting the conversation. Yeah, we need to get rid of religion because religion focuses on all these minor things and not on the focus thing. They cause more problems than they're, they're worth. is a challenge for religious people since the days of Jesus to not build walls to those outside. And part of our mission, our prayer, is to tear those walls down. However they're perceived. Why? And it's why we're in this journey and, and having this uh, workshop in a couple of weeks with Doug Pollock so that we become evangelists. We recognize today that the evangelistic programs don't work like they did. So instead of making evangelistic program, we need to make little evangelists. And we need to be about simply being and sharing good news wherever we go. That's the, the purpose for which we exist. To, to be about helping people connect with God. To be a house of prayer. Prayer being our connection with God. And that's why, as a, a church, I'm really proud to, to be a part of the, the leadership of this church, of the, the staff and the session and the deacons who make it a top priority in our, in our gatherings to be sure first that, that we're walking with God. Time of prayer. I mean, the last session meeting, we spent almost half the time in prayer. Seeking God together. The, the staff meetings, we, we spend the first 30, 45 minutes right now we're discussing the God Space book, in, encountering God. One, one session meeting uh, or one staff meeting a, a month is spent in prayer, connecting with, with God, just the, the whole meeting. And the deacons are, are, are spending a, a focused amount of time on, on spiritual formation. And the session has placed before us as a church the priority of us growing in Christ together. It's so easy to get focused on secondary things in the church and lose sight of the very thing that we're supposed to be about. That's filling that God-shaped vacuum, that black hole within us with God. So that, so that God then changes us. He transforms us. He makes us more and more into Christ. And so the, the, the session of the church has, has uh, called us as a church to prepare or to participate into a spiritual life inventory. You'll be reading more about it next uh, Sunday and you're hot off the press. But we're going to participate in the, what's the, the, a spiritual life inventory that is a significant amount of time for each of you. At least 30, 30 minutes on the web in a computer-generated survey 
that will then bring together the scores and, and what they find in, in, in this um, instrument to tell us how are we doing as a church in our life with Christ? What, what is our spiritual maturity? How are we in our love for God, in our love for neighbor? And we're going to do this for the next three years. So as to gauge, how are we doing? We're going to use the results that are gathered from this in order to, to uh, then organize our foundational hour between the two services when we, we have what we'd call Sunday school. We have spiritual formation experiences and classes and gatherings with adults and children. To, to gauge, where are we spiritually? in our walk with Christ. Because what we measure is what we value. What we measure is what we're organized towards. And what we are about, the reason Jesus came, is to fill that hole and fill us with His Spirit to make us more and more like Him. That is the purpose of the church. And when we get off that purpose... That's when Jesus starts turning some tables. So we want to be sure. I applaud the leadership of the church saying, yes, this is what we need to be about. So we're going to join with, in this inventory with thousands of churches and over a half a million Christians in this country to, to gauge where we are put goals before us to seek to grow in our connection with God. I invite you to start that process even now. We're coming upon the most significant week in the Christian calendar. Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. Take advantage of this week. Take advantage of this time to let Jesus into the temple. And praise Him as we're created to do. Confess our sins and then let Jesus into the temple and ask Him. This is what I did last night. I never sleep well on Saturday nights. And it's usually because of Sunday morning. Jesus, I... what? Would you let me go to sleep? Just tell me what table you need to turn over in my temple. What, what table does Jesus need to turn over in your temple? I can think of no better week than, than Holy Week, than, than, than walking with Jesus from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday as the crowd turns from praising Hosanna to crucify Him. As one of his inside men turns him in and the others desert him. This, this is our week that we follow Jesus the closest. And we invite him in. I told you, when you start the project, it, it doesn't stop. May we this week praise May we confess 
and the tears of Jesus. May we invite him in. What tables you need to turn over. What money changers you need to drive out in my temple. Amen.